Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, 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 this is RS2. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Very good morning, everybody, and welcome along to a very busy Mobile One Sports Car Grand Prix here at the Canadian Time Motorsport Park. John Hindoff and the rest of the IMSA Radio crew for you, bringing together the biggest community of endurance and sports car racing fans around the world with our global broadcasts and here on 454 even as a scanner frequency at least uh, in the front straight area and uh, round the pit and paddock delighted to say that we've uh, got the full crew with you this weekend Shea Adam will be in the pit lane for us later on and uh, we've got Jeremy Shaw and Brian Till who'll be starting off uh, this morning's festivities and action uh, the fm here is 90.7 that's uh, the radio frequency here if you want to tune that in it's going to be a lovely day today very pleasant over the weekend as well and getting things underway as far as we're concerned this morning is the IMSA prototype challenge we have a 45 minute free practice session uh, leading to one of their longer races of the season. Jeremy Shaw and, uh, first of all, Brian Till to take you through this. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I am excellent, John. I just wanted to be able to say 454 even. 454 even. Like you do, but I can't. No. I, just, my... I can't even say it like that. <laughs> what an awesome day. It is obviously warm, and it's only going to get warmer as we go, Jeremy. And I think that's going to be the thing that's interesting is this racetrack is going to change throughout the weekend for not just the prototype challenge drivers, but every class that runs here this weekend. Morning, Jeremy. Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to be back here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park. Glorious day. A bit toasty, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, I'd rather, I'd, bit for me, at least, uh, rather that than the alternative. So, yeah, no complaints whatsoever. A little bit of a breeze, which makes it a little bit more comfortable. Look, this, this uh, IMSA prototype challenge this season is really building up to... Uh, to a, to a crescendo. This is the fourth of six races during the season. Uh, we've got a four-point margin between the two top contenders at the front of the point, top of the points table. Austin McCusker and Rodrigo Fluka from Peru. Austin McCusker is not from Peru. He's from Long Island, New York. Uh, Rodrigo Fluka. They drive the one of uh, one of uh, two or three, depending on which the which weekend. I think we've got two here this weekend for 47 motorsports. They will be driving in uh, car, number 40, car number 47. They have 92 points coming into this race. They've had a second place, a third place, and a fourth place from the opening three rounds. In second place, from Brazil, Leonardo, Leonardo Lamelas or Leo Lamelas and Neil Alberico from California, aboard one of the one of uh, two Ansa Motorsports Ligiers. So we've got Norma versus Ligier, and are four points behind coming to this weekend after a first, a second, and a tenth place finish. So the championship... Brian Till is building up quite nicely. Well, it is, but and think about this. As you said, the season kind of beginning to wind down, but you look just one race ago at Mid-Ohio, and you look at the victors there. Young Dylan Murray, what a spectacular job. Dakota Dickerson, 
people like that, you pair those guys together, and obviously they're going to run at the front, and they can be spoilers for guys like Austin McCusker and Rodrigo Fluker or Lamellas and Alberico because they haven't run all season long. Dylan Murray did not run at round one, didn't get, score any points in round one, and then came back strong in round two. But what a drive he and Dickerson had at Mid-Ohio in really challenging conditions. And guys like that step in. And you see him, and they can steal points away. Mike Skeen qualifying on the pole at Mid-Ohio. He appears in his first prototype challenge event and is right in the thick of things. And what, what these guys that are battling for the championship right now don't want to see is somebody else coming in and inserting themselves in the middle of that championship, unless it's behind you and, and, yeah. and in front of your nearest protagonist. Yeah, uh, you, you're, you're right there. But yeah, the, the championship is just getting stronger and stronger. We've got... 20 cars here this weekend, all running the LMP3 car. That's a change from last year. We've had the uh, the uh, prototype challenge go, or the IMSA lights, as it used to be, as a secondary category. That is no longer part of the championship. So it's all LMP3 now. And certainly the uh, that has been a, a big step in the right direction. We're just getting, you know, the, the championship is building. We don't perhaps have all of the drivers doing all of the races, but we're getting more and more interest. We've got a, another uh, new car this weekend. That's the number 66 car, a second entry for one motorsports. Uh, ben Waddell, who's a kind of a, a regular in this series, and Michael Miller, who's a regular driver coach for one motorsports. They will be joined by Will Lynn from Vancouver, BC, making his debut in the championship this weekend. And that's a car that I gather was sourced from the Asian Le Mans series, an LMP3 Ligier. So that's a new car. Again, it's just the championship is building. You know, it's for, for those teams that are not doing all of the championship coming north of the border is uh, is causes all sorts of log logistical problems so i think we're missing a couple of cars perhaps because of that but to the championship no question it's going is is making big big strides forward well and you said it, it it is difficult to get an entire race team across the border talk to a team at some point in time if you're a fan you're walking around in the paddock ask them what they have to go through as far as inventories of parts and be able to prove that what they bring into the country is what they take back out and the trucks get gone through um, by the customs agents to make sure that nobody's moving things they're not supposed to move and it is a challenge especially for some of the smaller teams two different chassis running now in the LMP3 uh, configuration here in prototype challenge you've got the Ligier chassis the JSP3 and also the Norma the M30 and we've seen good results out of both of those chassis and it really kind of is racetrack dependent it seems and they're also very different as far as driver ergonomics go you talk about young ben waddell who started the season and he drove a norma at daytona and it was really difficult ben is a big boy he looks like a linebacker and there He's just wasn't yeah there just wasn't room in that car for him to uh, operate it the way that he needed to these cars are very very physical sophisticated race cars moved into the Ligier chassis at Mid-Ohio, had to miss Sebring. And, and he, I say he had to miss Sebring. They decided to miss Sebring, and that's a tough deal because the ride that they had was, once again, an enormous chassis, and he just said, you know what, I have to be honest with myself. Yeah. I'm not going to get the performance that I need for my career by driving this car that I don't fit in. So they elected to sit out there, came back uh, in a Ligier chassis at Mid-Ohio, and had a good performance, ran up front, 
once again in some very difficult conditions there and, and proved that he is a quality young race car driver. He just have to be in the right equipment. Yeah, I mean, that's it's so important. He had a top six finish last time out, uh, did, uh, did Ben. Uh, driving a different car again this weekend. Uh, so he's kind of, uh, you know, he's he's switching around different cars, but they had a test. It's a, it's a new car to the team. They had a, a test day earlier this week. So at least they got some time in it and they're getting a car kind of up to scratch in terms of its setup for the North American racetracks and the different uh, tyres that they run. I think they run the same tyres in the Asian Le Mans series, but I might be wrong on that because it prob probably is Michelin's down there. Uh, but certainly the setup is different here and, and they, they took, yeah, it, the setup that was on the car when it came, so to speak, was quite a bit different to what they, they're now uh, now running. Well, and that sixth place finish for Ben really isn't indicative of how right. well he ran. He ran at the front. True. That's where he ended up. But he ran much further up the order than that in the race. And once again, it's just literally finding a car and a team that fit. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Fit. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But uh, lots of you know, lots of interesting drivers in this field. One of the guys to watch out for certainly would be Garrett Grist from Grimsby, Ontario, only half an hour or so away from here. He's a youngster, 24 years of age now, who started in karting, moved up into Formula 1600 uh, here in Canada, and then was on the road to Indy. The open wheel cars ran in the USF 2000 Championship and in what is now called Indy Pro 2000, formerly Pro Mazda or Star Mazda even before that. And uh, for the last couple of years, though, Garrett's got these opportunities to, to drive some sports cars. He's going to be in the number 51 car with Rob Hoders, who's one of the principals there at K2R Motorsports. That team is run by Bobby Golazinski, Bobby G, who is a long-time IndyCar crew chief and, and a really, really good guy. And uh, and I think certainly we can expect that number 51 car of Garrett Grist and Rob Hoders to be at the, at the top of the charts. <laughs> they just did go to the top of the charts. I was just looking at the number 70 of Jonathan George, who just came through the last two corners onto the front straightaway. You can tell these drivers really beginning to hustle the cars, the Michelins getting up to temperature. He was bouncing around all over the place. I'm sure they're going to want to make some shock adjustments at some point in time. Car did not look particularly subtle, but Jonathan George – one of these guys, a driver, a coach, and really has not been behind the wheel a lot over the last couple of years. He's coached IndyCar drivers, drivers at all different levels, but has now come back to run this year, sharing that car with Joel Janko, and he hadn't lost anything. I looked out the window, and it just about took my breath away when I watched <laughs> him come through the last couple of corners. I mean, he was definitely on it through 9 and 10, and – it should be fun to watch. As I said, these are very sophisticated cars, and I think that's the thing that's cool about them. They're sophisticated, and yet they don't have the driver aids that some of the other cars have. They don't have the traction control. Certainly, there's no ABS on these cars. So these drivers have to hustle at 450-plus horsepower out of that V8 in the back, all run the same power plant. And the cars, to get them to the top of the chart, you have to really kind of wring their neck. You got to hold on tight. Not an easy yeah. car to drive by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> You're seeing that through some of these corners. Uh, and particularly at a racetrack like this, which is total commitment is required here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park to go fast because this is a uh, super quick racetrack and blind corners and late apexes. And it, it, this is a really tricky track to uh, to get to grips with and you need confidence uh, in, the, in yourself and in the car. And sometimes... 
drivers have confidence in themselves but not the car and sometimes the other way around <laughs> the, it's way the guys around, that yeah. have it in both that are going to be shining here it's interesting to see how the times are just coming down now lap after Look lap how close uh, garrett grist he, he set the lap the fastest hammer his previous lap then he dropped down to fourth position behind leo lamellas rodrigo fluka and kenton cook in the numbers 4 47 and 40 respectively next time around back to the top a one minute 14.243 now for garrett gristin car number 51 the local driver and that compares to that's actually faster than the race lap record which was set a couple of years ago by colin thompson in a norma chassis at a 114.3 the qualifying lap record was set also two years ago by kenton cook at a 113.5 last year's poll was a 14.8 a 14.6 excuse it, me so we're already going significantly faster and than i'm that. just the top of the timing chart looks like a slot machine at a casino. It just keeps rolling through. And for a moment there, there were three drivers within about six one thousandths or 61 thousandths of a second at the top of the chart. Now Garrett Grist with about a half a second gap back to... Is that Rao? Naveen Rao. Yeah, wow. Naveen Rao in car number 64. That, that, that's that's the car. impressive. It, 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 very impressive. That, that is... The, uh, the the second of the K2R Motorsports entries. So it's the two teammates, number 51 and 64 at the top of the charts. Naveen Rao, who's a very interesting character, uh, and um, amongst other things, he, he was head of artificial intelligence at Intel. Uh, he got a PhD in computational neuroscience. So we, <laughs> you and I, can we're on the same sort of planet, I think, aren't we, as Naveen? But I tell you what, that's a heck of an improvement. He, he shared that car in the opening three races of the season with, with, it, with the, the team's driver coach, Alex Barron, former IndyCar driver, former IndyCar winner, uh, and, uh, and uh, an all-around uh, good guy, fast driver. But this weekend, uh, Alex has stepped out of the car, and inf instead it's Matthew Bell, from uh, from from England, who's chairing that car now? The scoring says it's Naveen Rao on there. If it is, I'm super impressed because uh, he he's certainly driven well this season. But to be second on the charts, that would be uh, that that would be good. I, I fancy that might be Matt Bell I, I, at the wheel of that car now. I was going to say the same, but yeah. still, Naveen's he's, uh, I mean, no, he's, he's made big strides, hasn't he, this year, Brian? I think he opened a lot of eyes. We yeah. even said at the first race that intellect and that that curiosity that he obviously has had throughout his career that's driven him to the next level, the next degree, the next job. Well, it's, pardon the pun, driving him in the race car as well. He he wants to learn. He wants to absorb it all. And when he does, he puts it into practice. And I've been impressed. But if indeed that's him behind the wheel, I am mega impressed. At a place like this, and <laughs> there's no better race fan than Canadian race fans. And everybody who's been – Coming here to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, our most port as I still refer to it, um, knows the challenge of this racetrack. And yes, with extra runoff placed in places, it's made it safer. But from a commitment standpoint, from a pure, a pure physics standpoint, nothing has changed on the racetrack. And it is incredibly daunting. So to drive a prototype like that, or like the P3 car around this racetrack and be up there at the top of the chart is very impressive. Yeah, uh, Matt Bell, who's his co-driver, new, new co-driver this weekend, he's driven for the for that team before. Uh, he generally shares with Jim McGuire. Uh, Jim is not racing over here this weekend, but um, yeah, but uh, Matt has been seconded into that number sixty-four car, I believe, for the rest of the season. And yeah, he's from originally from Newcastle on Tyne in the UK. His brother Rob Bell is a factory driver for McLaren in GT3 uh, series primarily the Blancpain series in Europe. So very accomplished family. 
and Matt has he has done some races over here in uh, in the past had a couple of races he had a third place finish last time out that was uh, at the end of last uh, during last season so uh, he's a a, a very very stout addition to that to that driver lineup in Colony 64. Now Rodrigo Fluker in his Norma chassis, the number 47 from 47 Motorsports moves to second. So it's Ligier Norma, Ligier Norma as far as the top four go in the chassis. And you'll notice a little different look on those two chassis when you see them go by. And heard a lot of talk about how the Norma seems to be a little better in a straight line. What that allows them to do if they have that extra top end is they're then able to stack more downforce on, sacrifice some of the top end, but still have a car that will maintain good speed down the straightaway and end up with a little better downforce through the corners. And that sounds like a perfect mix yeah. to me for this <laughs> racetrack because you want to be able to get down the long back straight at a good clip, but you need that downforce, turn eight, even turn nine, certainly turns one, two, and four, you need that downforce. So perhaps that will be the better balanced car. We'll have to wait and see. One minute, 13.453, the fastest time set by Garrett Grist uh, two or three laps ago. His last time around was another 13.558, so he's turning consistently fast lap times at the front. Even that is quicker than the second fastest time. And again, that is uh, quicker than the qualifying lap record set a couple of years ago by Kenton Cook in a Ligier. Uh, and in second place is Rodrigo Fluka, 113.6. Matt Bell, yes, now, Matt Bell is now showing up in car number 64. Third fastest, 1 minute 13.9. Uh, and Stephen McAleer, who was a winner on round in round two of the championship at Sebring, uh, he is in the, the fourth position in car number 10. And this is a, a longer race uh, tomorrow. When is it? Tomorrow's? Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow's race? Yeah, tomorrow's race. It's longer than a regular race. The regular races are uh, an hour and 45 minutes. This one, as with Daytona at the beginning of the year, is a longer race, three-hour race. And because of that, you cannot drive solo. You have to have a co-driver. So <laughs> Stephen McAleer is driving with his team principal, Joe Robillard, in car number 10 this weekend. Uh, these cars produce such downforce and such apex speeds that I can't even imagine trying to go it alone <laughs> around here for three hours. Even a double stint yeah. is going to be a big effort. But yeah. I'll tell you what I'm impressed with. I look at Rodrigo Fluker, and his best lap was – actually, he just did it on lap 11. If that's the same set of Michelin tires that he went out with, I think what that shows is that even in the heat – and we're not to the yeah. heat of the day yet, but even in these warm conditions, that's impressive. If that's the same tire that started this session, to do your fast lap 11 laps into a session is, says a lot for Michelin and the tire that they – put on these p3 cars it certainly does and, and good consistency as well that's a great lap from rodrigo fluca the, the uh, peruvian there in caliber 47 he is the co-championship leader 22 years old from lima peru and that is the uh, the car that's been the most consistent among the field so far this season the three races a first a, a second a third and a fourth uh, first win is is proving elusive but they won't mind that as long as they're in the championship right. lead so you talk about downforce and sacrificing here and there and so on and so forth. My question to you is, when you look at this racetrack and basically you're going to need downforce on the car all the way from turn one to turn five, the exit of Moss Corner, you don't want it down the straightaway, and then you definitely want it again <laughs> in, in eight. So 
what do you do come race time and what do you do for qualifying? Do you run as much downforce as you can in qualifying because the majority of the lap is in the corners and sacrifice a little down the straightaway? And then do you pull that downforce yeah. out come race time so that you can get away down the straight, but the car is a little more nervous in the corner, so to speak? I mean, because think about where the passes are made on this racetrack. That's exactly right. And, and it, it is not easy to pass around here because of the high speeds here. So one of the best, probably the best place to pass would be at turn eight at the end of the long uh, uphill straight, uh, the Mario Andretti straight. And, and so that's that's the best place to pass. But yeah, you've got to be fast on a straight line to do that. And, and uh, the, the IMSA prototype challenge it's not like Formula One where you where you have to start the race with exactly the same right. setup basically as you finish it. You can change, switch, you know, switch and match and what have you to make sure you've got the right setup for the right time in the race. And that's a good point. And that's another thing that the engineers certainly have to have to think about and and uh, you know, w where you want the car to be fast well, at, at what time during the weekend. And it's funny. As a race fan, you can watch the cars out there, and they'll tr probably try to work on things throughout. Downforce gives you not only good grip, obviously, through the middle of the corners as the aerodynamics hold the car down. It also aids you tremendously in braking. So you think about trying to do that daring pass into turn 5 or 5A. Well, you need some downforce in the car. You don't want that downforce once again at the back straightaway, yeah. but you probably do want a little bit of it when it's time to slow down into turn 8. So... These engineers and drivers will work on trying to find that balance throughout the practice sessions, come up with a plan for qualifying, and the qualifying plan may be different, considerably different, than the race plan. It could be, and I'm, I'm sure right now they're concentrating on you know, getting the car ready for the race, getting ready for the longer runs. We saw uh, Garrett Grist, he, he did uh, 10 laps in his first stint before coming into the pits and handing over that car now to Rob Hoders. That's car number 51. Rodrigo Fluca, though, just gone faster again. 1 minute 12.8. That's a full three quarters of a second faster than nah. the qualifying lap record around here. That's a stout lap for Rodrigo Fluca in car number 47. We're going to have to nose around after this session and find out what they're doing with tires. I don't know if they've... Uh, no, I'm sure they wouldn't be putting fresh tires at this stage in the game. I don't know, in fact, I think that car, I'm not even sure it's been in the pits at all, actually. He's completed 14 laps That's more than anybody impressive. else in this session. I think he's been out the whole time. And, you know, the cars, I mean, they're just getting getting used to the track and just getting faster and faster. And the teammate car, the car number 55, Nico Riga, last year's uh, MX5 Cup champion, who got a part of the Mazda Road to 24 scholarship system. He, he picked up uh, $200,000 to to move on up the sports car ladder. He's taken the opportunity to join 47 Motorsports for this season. He's had, uh, he's been driving a car with his brother Timo in the first uh, three races of the season. They've had absolutely no luck at all. Everything that can go wrong has done in that number 55 car. That's, that's why it's carrying the sole red color scheme for, for a Mazda scholarship. But Nico now has got that number 55 car up to fourth position in this session. He's gonna be sharing this weekend with young Wyatt Schwab from Pennsylvania, who's sort of switched and chopped around the last couple of years driving for different cars and teams. But uh, Nico Riga's 21 years of age and Wyatt Schwab 18. That is the youngest driver lineup in the field. How, how old are they, those two? 21 and 18.
By stark contrast, by the way, <laughs> car, car number 86. By I stark love, contrast I love saying to you and me. <laughs> well, yes, but I love talking about this. Car number 86 is the opposite end of the scale. The the out the combined age of the two drivers in car number 86, that's Dave House and Paul LaHaye. And I, I know they don't mind me mentioning this, is 149. Oh. Well, Fabulous. we we fit somewhere in between, so that's <laughs> 149. Brilliant. Dave House is is 70, 76 years now, and he won last year in the in the IMSA lights uh, um, category, and and came within a few laps of actually winning the championship in in IMSA lights last season. Uh, so you know he's still he's still fast, loves his racing. Uh, he's another, actually, he's another former Intel senior VP uh, who is into now enjoying life. I would say driving your prototype challenge car around Canadian Tire Motorsport Park would be enjoying I life. I would say so. Another good lap there from Rodrigo Fluker. Not quite quicker than his 1 minute 12.8. He's just, just turned a 1 minute 12.908 on his previous lap. He's now gone the uh, through the middle sector on the track. He's gone purple. That yeah. indicates the fastest sector time of all, so that car number 47, oh, it's actually come, just come into the pits, but to that number 47 car, the enormous chassis clearly working extremely well. Keep your eye on the 54, Dakota Dickerson behind the wheel, and I expect to see that go, and indeed it ju did just move forward, and problem down in turn 5-6 for the 60. Bruce Hamilton, Tonise Kazmitz for Wolver Racing. And that's a car that's been fast this season. Uh, Bruce Hamilton and and Tony's Casbah. Tony's has uh, they, they were on the podium last time out uh, at Mid Ohio, uh, and uh, in fact that's the second podium in the season. Also on the on the podium at Daytona, plus uh, Tony's, who's originally from Estonia but lives in Chicago area now. He's wealth of experience these days. He he concentrates more on driver coaching than driving, but any any opportunity he gets to drive a racing car, he's on it. And, and what and hasn't he driven? And what hasn't he driven? Yeah, not very much. He's driven just about everything at one stage or another during his career. And uh, some uh, with Bruce Hamilton, who's got some Scottish herit heritage, hence the Wolver name. And um, so he'll feel comfortable here in in, in Canada. Uh, but unfortunately, some problems there for number sixty car. So a problem for the 66 as well, a penalty for a merge line violation. That was just a warning. And I'm not sure if it's the merge at pit in or more likely at pit out. Officials definitely want to make sure that you stay below that solid line into the pit lane on your way out. And from the racetrack side, they make certain that the cars on the track don't cross in to that pit out lane on their way to turn two. Really not a problem when you're out there on your own on the racetrack, or it shouldn't be. But it, when you're racing and you're side by side, sometimes it's easy to drop a, a wheel over it. and You just don't want to be there. The speed of the cars at the exit of turn one is so high that if you drift over that line, there's going to be a problem. And really, they want you to make sure at pit in that you're over and out of the way and not running over the yellow chevrons that are painted there at pit in. So trying to make sure that you've got good room to get on the racetrack and that you're leaving plenty of room and you're out of the racing lane if you're going to be coming into the pit. Yeah, it's a good point because uh, it, coming into the pit lane, the, the, the quickest way is to take the apex at turn, at turn nine, the left-hander, and then diagonal straight across to the pit lane uh, entry. Well, no, uh, you have to make a commitment earlier than that and keep out much wider through nine so you don't 
uh, run the risk of jumping on the brakes when you're coming out of the corner when somebody's hot on your on your tail going through there and carrying speed to go into the final corner. So, yeah, that's a uh, it's certainly a good rule. Naveen Rayo being shown back in the 64. Well, I so I, I think they've got a problem there. No, I, no, I think I think I think uh, Matt Bell's been in the pits and handed it over now to Naveen ah, Rayo. I okay. think there was a problem with the uh, driver identification system in the first time that car was under pits. But I think now uh, Naveen perhaps has just taken. Uh, over the wheel of that car. Interested to see Dakota Dickerson and Dylan Murray Yeah. Um, this weekend. Dylan Murray, another win in IMSA competition last weekend at Watkins Glen in the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series aboard his Mercedes. And another deal where it was just incredibly difficult trying conditions at the end of that race at was dry and then it was wet and then it was dry and I mean the battle up front was intense and he just put in a veteran performance to take the victory there so he's won in prototype challenge he's won in Michelin pilot challenge his teammate Dakota Dickerson somewhat dominating in F3 Americas right now he was I think two for two at Pitt Raceway the last time out for for that series yeah three for three he was uh, last time oh, that's out. right there were three races there yeah. that weekend yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's he's very much in control of that championship. Right, Dakota, he won last year's F4 championship. Uh, he's a former winner of the Team USA scholarship. I mean, a youngster who's on the way up the ladder, no question about it. But Dylan Murray, 17 years of age, he, for me, this season has been absolutely a revelation. I mean, we knew he had the talent. His father, David Murray, who's been around this sport a long, long time, super successful in his own right. He's been saying for years that Dylan has the talent uh, and you know he's, he's definitely a, a star of the future. And uh, yeah, certainly he showed well the last couple of years in kind of sporadic tries. But this year, huge step forward, uh, a, 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 a commitment to run the entire championship in the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series in that Mercedes and having missed the first race of the season, picked up by Dr. Mike Thompson to drive this uh, MLT Motorsports car number 54 in a prototype challenge as well. So lots of driving time for Dylan. That's the key to getting the most out of a driver. But his, that performance last weekend, Brian, that was stunning. I mean, those conditions were incredibly difficult in the final stages of the race. He, he didn't get face. He was on slick tyres. Others were on, on wets when there was a, a heavy shower of rain with, what, about half an hour to go. Yeah. And... And he, he was patient. He, he let some faster cars on wet tyres go past him at uh, with, with sort of 20 minute, 25 minutes to go, whatever it was. And then once the track began to dry, he moved back into contention, made a great pass to lead and won the race. That was a brilliant performance. One of the drives of the season in IMSA competition we've had so far in 2019, no question. Well, I think you said this earlier and it was about something else but it was spot on as it applies to dylan murray you need to be confident in yourself yeah. and you need to be confident in the car and the team and i think what you see when you can put a young driver with an experienced team in a car that's a known commodity and yeah. you run it all the time you get consistency yeah. and that consistency just feeds upon itself yeah. it feeds upon the confidence that the driver has, the more confident he is, the more confident he is with relaying information to the team, the more confident the team now is in the driver because his feedback is correct and the results are beginning to prove and they just build upon each other. And that's, I think, what's missing. And especially for a young driver like that, that was the missing link for Dylan yeah. was putting him someplace where there was consistency and everybody could kind of 
grow together and have confidence in each other, and what you end up with is results. It's Dakota Dickerson in his F3 effort. It's Dylan and Dakota in this P3 car. And it's any successful team that you see in the paddock, whether that's Corvette racing or name the team, you know, go down the line, Mustang sampling, those guys. It's it's that camaraderie. It's that team building. This is not a sport of an individual. This is a team sport, and it takes the team to to get the results. It certainly does, and, and there's a lot of experience in that uh, in that MLT team. New team uh, for this season. They, they, they weren't ready for the opening round of the season at Daytona, so, so t- to win the championship would be a, a tall order having missed that first race. But uh, already uh, Dylan with a, uh, a fifth-place finish and then that win last time out up to seventh place in the points overall. That's, that's pretty impressive. And uh, this weekend, though, is going to be a, a real challenge for him because he's got... The, he's driving both this car and the Mercedes AMG in the Michelin Pilot Challenge race. So he's going to be swapping back and forth between two very different cars on this very, very challenging racetrack. But uh, particularly for somebody who's just 17 years of age, that's uh, it's going to be a tall order for him. Well, that'll be the big test yeah. uh, when you, as you said, two very, very different cars. And th- there are other drivers who do it. I mean, Brad yep. Baker, who is in the 19 Ligier right now, runs in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America Series. Hey, but that's a a race on another weekend. Yes. They're, they're not running back-to-back on the same weekend. So you've got the weekend to focus on that one car, and then you go to another weekend and you focus on the other car. And while that's a tall order, I think when you run on the same weekend and you run a prototype in one series and then a GT-based car in another, that's where you really have to be able to separate the two and say, all right, now I'm going to step in this one. My braking points are this, yes. this, and this. My apex speeds are this, this, and this. And my throttle application is is this. There's ABS. There's traction control. There is no ABS. There is no traction control. And just making sure that you tick off all the boxes saying, I know what I've got. I know what tool I'm going to be working with in this session. And then pick up that tool and work with it accordingly. Is, is Ketch Cook doing this race? And if so, with whom? Because he's not on the entry list. But uh, Shay, Shay Adam this morning was talking uh, about the fact that he drove um, this week in, in the test days, both in the the Audi R8 that he's driving in the Michelin Pilot Challenge race. Uh, and uh, he also drove the prototype car. And he's having a hard time switching between one and the other. He's not on the entry list yeah. for this series. So I'm not quite sure what she was referring to, whether, she, whether he was doing some testing in this car or what. Well, I was gonna Jade s- Buford had shown you car number 60. That's curious. I was going to say. Uh, oh, mind you, I think there might have been a third driver nominated for num- num- or but not nominated for number 60. No, that's curious. Getting experienced in these cars, and it wouldn't be surprising if somebody on a test day said, will you run this for us and give us your feedback and tell us, based upon your experience, where we are Oh. That was a huge slide for the 54. Dylan Murray through turn nine. The car just had this four-wheel drift off the apex and just flicked it back the other direction to get through 10. Just breathtaking. He should be down in one and two right now. Watch that 54 if you're out there. And we, we were just talking about it. Literally, I looked out the window, and it just took my breath away. <laughs> I didn't know which car number it was until I could – get a better shot as it came through 10, but that was just 
just breathtaking. Cool stuff. So number 47 car that is fastest with just over 13 minutes remaining in this 45-minute first practice session of the weekend for the IMSA Prototype Challenge. Car number 47, then Rodrigo Fluco, 1 minute 12.843. That's uh, three quarters of a second faster than the qualifying lap record he has had a couple of years ago. In second position, car number 51, uh, Rob Hodas is at the wheel of that car at the moment. It was Garrett Grist from Whitby, Ontario that set the f that time uh, in car number 51. Third fastest is the second of the K2R teams. So teammate number 51 is car number 64. That time was set by Matt Bell uh, in at a 1 minute 13.5. Fourth fastest was is car number 54, the MLT Motorsports entry shared by Dylan Murray, who's driving now, and Dakota Dickerson, who set that time at a 113.7. And rounding out the top five, the second of the 47 motorsports entry, alongside the number 47 that leads the way, is final 55. White Schwab is driving that car at the moment, and the time, which is a 113.9, was set a little while ago by Nico Riga. Well, I'm disappointed because Dylan Murray just came into the pits. I was, I was ready. I was watching him down <laughs> the back straightaway. I want to see another one, you know, and he, he came into pit lane, so they'll make some adjustments to that car, or maybe not. He may come in and go, hey, I like it. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's strange to see an aero car, and I certainly think of these cars as aero-dependent, um, with that much yaw in it and that big a slip angle coming off the apex. I just, like I said, it was so impressive. I'm excited about the weekend. These cars look like they should be fantastic to drive yeah. around this racetrack and we're already seeing great action on this racetrack throughout the morning it just kind of wets your whistle for what's to come the WeatherTech series and Michelin Pilot series that are here and the weekend of great racing that IMSA always brings to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park and I'm getting excited by watching this if you're standing around the racetrack in a place where you can look down in the cockpit See if you can look down in the cockpit and look at the driver's hands as they work through these corners. A lot of kickback in the wheel in some of these areas. Certainly I can see it in 9 and 10 as they come through these last two corners onto the front straightaway. Watching the driver's hands, this is not just kind of set it and forget it steering-wise. If these cars are on the limit, they're moving around, they're dancing around a little bit, and you'll see that movement in the driver's hand working hard in there. And it's going to be hot. That's the other thing. The tires, I'm already impressed with looking at the laps, the number of laps and the lap times that we see on some of these. But remember what's going to happen is over a stint, drivers are going to begin to get fatigued, and that's where the mistakes happen. So in this longer race, this three-hour race, fatigue could be a big factor, not only because of the heat, but you couple the heat with the high G-loading that Canadian Tire Motorsport Park brings to you, especially one two, four, those corners, and these drivers are going to get tired. And as you get tired, any physio will tell you when the heat comes up and the physical demands get higher, the number of mistakes made per lap grow. And that really is what motorsport is about. It's about that test of man and machine. And you've got to be able to understand what your limits are, what the limits are of the car. And in a two- or three-driver format, you got to remember, it, it comes a point in time where you might just have to say, this is all I've got right, right. now. The, this is my limit, and I'm going to have to just deal with my limit up until the time I can hand the car over. Because if I go beyond that, 
they're going to come pick it up on a flatbed and nobody's going to get to continue racing. No, particularly that's what you don't want around a, a track like this as well, which is, as we said earlier on, a commitment track. Um, and, and, and bear in mind, this is, this is only the, the championship's fourth race of the season, so they don't get a, a, that many opportunities to drive these cars. Uh, the, the, they've done some testing earlier in the week, uh, so they're kind of in tune with it now. But a lot of these guys in this field are, are what we call bronze-rated drivers. There's a, an FIA driver ranking system basically goes by experience and and or proficiency uh, but uh, a lot of these drivers are they're, they're, they're self-professed gentleman drivers so they're not out there to uh, to try and become the next world champion or the next daytona 24 hours winner they're out here to have some fun well they'd like to win 24 hours of daytona probably but uh, they are they're out here basically to have some fun and you know they're, they're not many of the drivers in the field fully professionals in which case you know again that that's that that you know, adds a degree of, of difficulty right here rodrigo fluker being shown purple in sector one and sector two that last lap by no, no, actually that that's he's in the pits now so when the car is in the pits ah, it, it right. shows the, yeah, yeah, to what it, the fast he defaults one was. The, yeah but uh that one minute, one minute 12.8 significantly quicker than everybody else eight six tenths of a second clear of the field and uh, six tenths from first to second but also six tenths from second to fifth so it's much closer behind him that's a great lap by the youngster who's been shown the wheel all the way through this session so uh, whether that's uh, the, the, the case or whether Austin McCusker will drive the second session with Rodrigo Fluka driving the first perhaps I don't know we will see but just eight minutes remaining now in this first practice session and this is where uh, I just noticed several cars onto the front straightaway, Dylan Murray being one of those um, in traffic. And there's not a lot of time left in the session. And while as a driver, you want to get that lap, you want to get that traffic free lap so that you can measure yourself against everybody else. What you have to learn is that what you need to measure is different parts of the racetrack. You may not get the opportunity to get that full lap here with seven and a half minutes to go. But with the data acquisition sy systems, that exist on modern race cars, you're able to build that lap together. And you just may have to say, hey, I had a good lap in, or a good turn three, four combo on lap such and such. Put that with this one. Put that with, because I had traffic in these other places. And, and work really on the balance and the feel of the car. Don't let your ego get caught up in what the lap time was. Yeah. Build yourself a better race car for the next session and for qualifying. Yeah, very good point. You, the points are not... Uh, handed out after practice sessions so it's it's just sort of it, it, it's good for the ego when you set the <laughs> fastest time in a practice session but it doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot unless you can back it up and certainly though uh, Rodrigo Fluco in that number 47 car was able to back it up he was able to turn several really fast laps quicker than anybody else out there uh, but for, for the other guys you know they're just building on their consistency just there's improvement last time around for Scott Huffaker in car number 52 he's another youngster that's one of the. That's one of actually two cars this season, this year, this this weekend for PR1 Matheson Motorsports. Scott Huffaker, just 19 years of age from the San Francisco area of California, he's sharing that car, the 52, with Chris Arcanacho from Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and, and it's going to be a second uh, PR1 entry this weekend. That's number 70, Joel Janko and Jonathan George, who are the uh, the top contenders in the bronze category for the this championship the, for, for bronze rated drivers only 
uh, and that car it was run previously by P1 Motorsports, but P1 has ceased operations uh, abruptly a couple of months ago. So uh, Joel Janko and Jonathan George have, have taken that car across to PL1 Mathis and Motorsports and uh, be running with that team for the rest of the season. And I can't think of a better place yeah. to take it yeah. than to Bobby Orgel over at PR1 because he has done spectacular things with any yeah. car that he's touched and that organization has run over the years. And it's a, a very methodical group. They dot all the I's, cross all yeah. the T's, tighten yeah. all the bolts and do everything that you need to do. Very detail-oriented, good engineering um, and like I said, if I was going to take a car somewhere, certainly Bobby would be on the top of my list. Yeah, no question about that. And they were also running, of course, in the Ipswell Tech Sports Car Championship this weekend in with the same car number, car number 52. As Huffaker improves again last time around, by the way, 1 minute 14.203 up into the top 10. Now eighth position for car number 52, Scott Huffaker. And they're running the, the 1P2 car this weekend, but there's a potential of adding a second LMP2 entry for uh, an upcoming race at, uh, at Road America and perhaps f towards the end of the season as well. So that's exciting news for that team. Interesting to see how the lap times have dropped later in the session as the cars have run more and more on the Michelin tires. So impressed with the consistency of them through that first 12, 13 laps. You look at Rodrigo Fluker and the 47 team, that fast lap was lap 13. And so that's well into a stint. You would be somewhat surprised to see that typically third, fourth, fifth lap maybe. But so I'm impressed. Well, yeah, that would be interesting to see how the temperature builds. And it, that's true. But these Michelin tires, they, they've shown themselves to be super consistent, yep. haven't they? And uh, uh, I think uh, you know, all of the teams and drivers are absolutely loving that change for this season with Michelin coming on board uh, as a uh, sole su tire supplier for the uh, IMS, the majority of the IMSA series and and uh, we've seen that consistency and we're certainly seeing it here in in pretty challenging conditions being as warm as it is i tell you what's going to be challenging is race time yeah. tomorrow because late in the day in that four o'clock hour and you're going to run for three hours that means all day long the track has soaked up yeah. that heat the ambient's yeah. going to be there. The humidity's going to be there. It's going to be some trying conditions for sure because, as we know, even at 7 o'clock, it's not going to be particularly cool. It's not. It's supposed to be a little bit cooler, I think, yesterday. Not quite as hot tomorrow or over the weekend as it is today. A bit of a, a, a cooler front moving through, I, I heard, on the weather forecast this morning. Of course, the weather forecast is going to be absolutely 100% <laughs> right, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I had to laugh about you saying the breeze felt pretty good. Earlier, you're sitting in here in the air conditioning. You didn't even. Yeah, but have I just walked. You're just looking at. You're looking at the flags. That's what it is. <laughs> Only breeze you felt was like me moving papers around. It's a good lap there by number 55, Wyatt Schwab. He's take. He's sharing that car with Timo Riga. It's Timo Riga that set that fifth fastest time at one minute 13.957. Well, Wyatt has just turned a 1 minute 13.984, so just fractionally slower, and he's on a quicker lap now, actually. So uh, White Chobby, he didn't do the most recent race of the championship, missed uh, the, the event at Mid-Ohio, and started off the the season, and uh, he is back at the wheel this weekend and joining the 47 Motorsports Norma team. Uh, Norma... Is quickest right now, followed by a Ligier chassis. We talked about that and expect to see that throughout the weekend. I'm interested to see the performance of it. 
when they run together on the racetrack. And I think that's what you're going to see really interesting. Look at the ebb and flow of the cars in the race tomorrow and see who has a strength or an advantage here or there, whether it's down the straightaway through the corners and then try to figure out how those drivers, that team's going to play that game of chess to take advantage of their strengths and to minimize the weaknesses that they may have. Just great to watch these prototype challenge cars hustling around this racetrack. The driver's working hard. Austin McCusker being shown behind the wheel of the 47 now. And Wyatt Schwab. Up to second position. Yeah. So the two teammates, the two yeah. normas from 47 Motorsports, number 47 and number 55, first and second now. That lap by Wyatt Schwab, 1 minute 13.430. That's the advantage of having a two-car team. And we talk about yeah. this in any series that you run in. The more cars, to some extent, that you have under the tent, the more data that you get and the more information your engineers have to work with and try to give you a better car, whether it's in Lamborghini Super Trofeo, whether it's in IMSA WeatherTech, whether it's in Michelin Pilot Challenge Series, if you've got more than one car underneath the tent and you've got quality drivers in all of those cars, you've got quality information coming to you. Yeah, and the better information coming in, the faster the car goes, by and large, it's a, a general rule in this sport. You're absolutely right. So it's the 247 Motorsports Normas at the top, number 47, number 55, and it's the two K2R Motorsports Ligiers in third and fourth, car number 51 and 64. Problem there in turn nine. Looks like it might be the 40 spun around on the apex curbing now back underway. And I don't know whether there was another car involved or not because there was another car slow coming into the pits. But the 40 was backwards on the apex curbing as the checkered flag falls. All kinds of racing going on here at <laughs> Canadian Tire Motorsport Park this weekend. There's go-karts just next door racing. And then we've got all the IMSA series here, almost all the IMSA series here. And you just watch Prototype Challenge. And, and I'm excited the next practice session and then qualifying is going to be a shootout at the end of the day yeah the, these cars will be back out on track yet to 20 for their second practice session of the day that'll be just a half hour session at 220 then qualifying at six o'clock this evening that six o'clock six o'clock qualifying is going to be very indicative of what the racetrack is going to be like tomorrow come race time thanks very much to jeremy and to brian uh, it is the final race on Saturday, half past four in the afternoon, local time here, East Coast time, uh, till 7.30, three hours for the IMSA Prototype Challenge, and you'll hear it all live here on IMSA Radio. Also in sound and vision with IMSA TV uh, on the air for that as well. And whether you're here in Canada, uh, in the US, or across the world, no blocks, no breaks, the whole three hours will be live for you. Uh, and a bit of... A bit of the build-up for that as well. So it's from around about uh, quarter past four on Saturday afternoon. All part of our commitment to sports car and endurance racing on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.